Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Washington, D.C. Acknowledge me. Chris Russell on the Team 980. I'm not trying to be a jerk. (laughs) You're almost 50 years old and you still dress like a Teletubby. Point taken. That still makes me laugh. I don't know why, but it still makes me laugh as I draw ever closer to turning 50. Yikes. Good to have you with us on a Thursday afternoon in the nation's capital and beyond. I don't know. Uh, I'm working from home today uh, because I had some car issues. Not fun. Um, But... It's a little overcast out here, and storms, they say, are a-coming. No Nationals tonight. Uh, they won last night, finally broke the six-game losing streak, and the horrific, the horrific nature of said streak. Uh, last night with a walk-off win over the Mets in the ninth inning uh, at Nationals Park, a game I was at, a game that I took in. Um, and... Um, you know, th- that was good. Uh, there's no Nats tonight, but the Dodgers are in town starting tomorrow night. And we only get to see the Dodgers, of course, once a year. And there's supposed to be some inclement weather over the next 24-ish hours. Summer storms and all of that, baby. And all of that jazz, especially after the heat and humidity we've had uh, around here and these here parts uh, over the last um week or so so uh we don't have anything to worry about in terms of weather uh, outside of people just getting home and whatever and you know that everybody driving around uh we do have nfl real regular season football tonight how about that the kansas city chiefs and the detroit lions kick off the 2023 season the regular season is upon us And for the next 18 weeks, because there's 17 games and 18 weeks in the regular season, and then, of course, a couple more weeks for the postseason, you know, basically for what, the next 23 weeks, nobody should ever complain that they're bored and that there's nothing to watch and that there's nothing to do. Because uh, if you love the NFL more than just the Commanders, if you like a little college football, maybe love a little college football, uh, if you like to bet, which I don't really bet, um, I just always forget about it. Quite honestly, it's not, I mean, you know, I know Kevin and Denton do a lot of gambling. So I, I, I don't, re- it's not really my thing. Uh, I'll do it, uh, but it's not really my thing. Um, and I certainly don't like to spend my money and, uh, you know, on stuff that I can't have any control over, really. Uh, so it's not really my thing. But, you know, if you, of course, like to gamble, if you like to play fantasy football, 
There is plenty of things to distract you over the next 23 weeks. Plenty of things to distract you over the next half a year or six months. Until we get to what? Mid-February, then everybody will take a little bit of a break, and then boom, it's the combine, free agency, the draft, and then everybody, and then you go right into OTAs, and then everybody kind of sort of somewhat takes a little break from like mid-June until mid-July. And that's basically the NFL calendar in a nutshell. And that's good. That keeps us busy. Uh, that keeps us busy. Coming up today uh, on the show, we will, of course, talk about that Kansas City-Detroit game. Of course, we will continue to preview the Arizona Cardinals and the Washington Commanders. We'll talk to Ed Smith, former NFL uh, player and current host on the Believe Network and Believe in Cardinals podcast. Uh, he'll join us later on this hour. We'll get his perspective on what he thinks of Josh Dobbs, what he thinks of Jonathan Gannon, what he thinks of that rebuilt Cardinals roster, which may or may not be tanking for Caleb Williams. And we'll ask all about that and Kyler Murray and where they go from here and how they match up best with the commanders, in his opinion, from a guy who played the game. So we will talk to him coming up in about mm, 40 minutes or so. Um, and because we got sandblasted by Paulie yesterday, we'll, of course, for no reason, we'll, of course, talk as many X's and O's as we can. But here's the bottom line. Again, keep remembering, this is not a game where we have enough conclusive data to sit here and say, okay, well, this matchup should really be a nightmare. This matchup should be really advantageous. I mean, we can think, we can guess, but we have no conclusive data because what these two teams showed in the preseason might be not completely opposite, but it might be very different. It probably will be very different. Certainly the personnel is very different in a lot of cases from what they showed in the preseason, right? And even what Jonathan Gagnon showed as the defensive coordinator of the NFC runner-up, or I'm sorry, the the um, the Super Bowl runner-up, Philadelphia Eagles, the NFC champions. What Jonathan Gagnon showed there as the defensive coordinator in Philadelphia is going to have some similarities to what you're going to see on Sunday. But... As we all know, and I'm sorry, coaches do this all the time, and it drives me crazy. Yeah, it's not about the players. It's about the scheme. Uh, well, yeah, of course it's about the scheme. I mean, the coach doesn't generally completely devise a new scheme. They use what they use and what they use to get that position. But it's different when you have different players operating the scheme and executing the scheme. There is no Hassan Reddick in Arizona. There used to be. They stupidly gave him away. There is no Isaiah Simmons in Arizona. If you listen to Wink Martindale of the Giants, they gave away Dick Buckus or Luke Keekley. Maybe a better comparison. If you watch the Cardinals, if you study the NFL... You see that Byron Murphy, their best corner, is in Minnesota. You see that one of their best defensive linemen, um, uh, Zach Allen, 
is in Denver. We'll see him next week. You know that J.J. Watt retired. You know that Chandler Jones has caused all sorts of problems in Vegas and is no longer with Arizona and hasn't been, but you get the point. You know that Kyler Murray, while he may be captain, is not playing in this game. You know that Colt McCoy was let go. You know that Josh Dobbs just got there a week and a half ago. But because of his familiarity with the scheme and the language and the terminology from last year in Cleveland and his quarterback's coach there being the offensive coordinator in Arizona, he was able to waltz right in and start. And that he'll do. So there's some interesting storylines here from a Cardinals perspective. And then, of course, from a commander's perspective, it looks like, looks like, emphasis looks like, Chase Young and Terry McLaurin might play. Uh, I'm a little bit surprised by that. I mean, Chase was very matter-of-fact, you know, yesterday in the locker room, essentially guaranteeing that he's going to play. I mean, I'll take him at his word. A lot of times, coach, you know, players uh, say that, and then they don't play. They were both limited yesterday, officially, but that is a gray word if you will. We'll see what they are today. If they can get Chase Young and Terry McLaurin back on the field Sunday, along with a true home field advantage, along with all of the, uh, I guess, optimism and freshness of a new season and the fact that, again, I keep calling the Cardinals, and we'll ask Ed this, whether they are the NFL's equivalent of a layup, and whether that's fair or unfair, you combine all of that and you should get, you should get, you know, a relatively easy win. This is not the Dallas Cowboys. This is not the New York Giants. This is not the Philadelphia Eagles. This is not the Los Angeles Chargers who came in here week one, two years ago uh, and beat the Commanders. This is not, hell, this isn't even Carson Wentz and the Philadelphia Eagles in 2020. You know, this is a team that they have to beat, that they should beat, that it's a really bad sign if they don't beat. The season's not over, but it's a really bad sign. Now, how are they going to win? I'll throw a couple of things out at you. Again, Jonathan Gannon, if you watch him, if you study him, he does not blitz a lot. Or at least he hasn't. Now, maybe he does, knowing that the commander's offensive line is certainly in question. And it's four-fifths new, even if even if you believe they're going to be okay and believe they're... Ta- so maybe Jonathan Gagnon throws a little curveball and he blitzes a bunch. And the commanders weren't expecting that. And they, I mean, that's what I would do if I was Jonathan Gagnon. What the hell else do you have to lose? But assuming that they can pick up that blitz, assuming that they can pick up that pressure, or maybe they don't just don't do it at all, which, again, would be a little bit dumb to me, the commanders are going to, we know, have to, have to be good at pounding the rock. We know. Don't listen to anybody that tells you they should not run the ball. That is undeniably dumb. Undeniably dumb. You have a rookie quarterback. You have an offensive line that, at least in training camp of the preseason, has been way better 
protecting or blocking for the run. You have a rookie rookie plus quarterback. You have every reason. Don't listen to Warren Sharp. You have every reason to establish the run and to grind down the Cardinals. Again, we told you yesterday, their defense is awful. Is awful. They don't have really anybody outside of Buda Baker. Now, to me, it's not time to think about going for an aerial show to light up the sky and strike up the band Osaka style and try and hang a 50 burger. You know, this feels to me like a 24-ish 7 type of game. That's what it feels to me. Establish the run. Get your play action going. Maybe, again, a couple of quarterback waggles where he isolates the field. And more importantly, the short passing game. The short passing game to Terry, to Curtis, to Jahan, to Logan Thomas, to Cole Turner, to Antonio Gibson, to Brian Robinson. You have six or seven weapons that can all be effective in and around the line of scrimmage. You have a defensive line that's been ravaged by free agent affection, like we said, retirement in J.J. Watt. Now, again, J.J. obviously wasn't healthy for a lot of his NFL career, but he was dominant when he was. You have the ability. I mean, you do not have studs to go against outside of Buda Baker. And Baker probably is going to be deployed down near the line of scrimmage and trying to attack down the line of scrimmage, again, in that short passing game or in the run game. But you've got to, you've got to find a way to neutralize that by scheme, by blocking, by protection. Or if it's not working and you're not getting the success, then what you do, second series, third series, first down, out of a timeout, out of a turnover, you know, change of momentum, you take a deep shot over the middle and you say, aha, see, you all think we're going to run the ball downhill. You all think we're going to be around the line of scrimmage. And that's true. That's our DNA. That's our bread and butter. But we're not afraid to take a deep shot to Terry or Jahan on a deep post route to back Buda Baker off. And then once you back him off, like if they're jumping everything around the line of scrimmage, if they're shutting down the run, not missing tackles, if you're not getting out in space, all of that first drive, two drives, that's where I come out if I'm Eric Bieniemy. First play, again, third series, fourth series, whatever it might be, and you take a deep shot and you try and back Buda Baker off. And then that should, should loosen some things up. I think if you're going to do that, you probably in this game do it with either Jahan or you can run Diami out of a three-by-one set with maybe some eye candy jet sweep motion so they don't know what the hell's coming. And that's how I would attack the Arizona Cardinals. We'll again see what Ed Smith thinks. 
about this and my theories, but that's how I would attack the Arizona Cardinals. But the bread and butter of this offense is going to be, again, as we mentioned over the offseason, yesterday, five yards north of the line of scrimmage, uh, maybe 10 yards north of the line of scrimmage, and five yards south of the line of scrimmage or behind the line of scrimmage. They are going to throw a mind-numbing amount of passes in that area. And fans, when it works, they're going to think it's brilliant. When it doesn't work, they're going to, oh, why, uh, why don't they take deep shots? Trust me, it'll work. If the quarterback is accurate, which they have not had an accurate quarterback in terms of the short passing game forever. Again, something that people do not pay attention to. Uh, and I'm telling you, I, I know who they are. I've got the receipts. They do not pay attention to inaccurate quarterbacks, which the commanders have had nonstop in the short passing game. Well, Sam Howell sometimes is going gonna, is gonna to be inaccurate, but for what I've seen mostly in his NFL career and in training camp, mostly Sam Howell is going to be pretty effective in that area. But if they're shutting it down, if they're jumping that, if they're overplaying that, that's when you loosen it up and you take a deep shot. You don't come out throwing bombs right away. You don't come out trying to stretch the field on difficult long routes, seven routes, nine routes, what have you. Low percentage plays. You want high percentage precision. You want to wear them down, especially if it's hot, which it should be, or warm or humid. You know, they play out, sure, in the desert, but there's no humidity out there. Big difference. That's where they will win this game. It will not be, in my opinion, which I think is counter to everyone else's opinion, it will not be won strictly and solely or mostly by the defense of the Washington Commanders. Now, listen, maybe Emmanuel Forbes has a, a pick six, you know, and he does basically what he, he's done at times in camp and, and what he did at Mississippi State. Maybe Benjamin St. Juice comes up with a big play. Who knows? Kendall Fuller, obviously, um, is, you know, a guy who, when he's on, he's on. When he's off, he's off. We will see what happens for, for the defense, but I would not, my guess, I would not expect a dominant performance by the commander's defense. I think Arizona's got enough weapons to press you a little bit. Um, again, their big question will be their rebuilt offensive line, especially on the interior, but also Josh Dobbs at quarterback. But, you know, again, as I mentioned on yesterday's show, Josh Dobbs just played against the commanders, granted, their backups, in Cleveland a couple of Friday nights ago. He was 8 of 16, I think 77 yards, and an interception near half that was kind of a, you know, a throw-up. To me, again, the Commanders win this game 24-ish 7, somewhere in that range, 24-ish 10. Again, the defense looks fine. You know, maybe a spot or two here that you worry about that you can clean up. They've struggled to tackle uh, during the preseason. They've struggled against the run. Teams have been able to bounce out on outside zone, all of that. I want to see all that cleaned up. But I really, really, really think this game – 
is about the commander's rebuilt offense and Bienemy and Howell. Plus a healthy Brian Robinson, a somewhat healthy, I don't know, is that fair? I think Terry McLaurin. <clears throat> See if Deami Brown can continue his role and meaning being on a roll from training camp. I think this is about the commander's offense versus the Arizona weak-ass defense. One player. They have one player that's head and shoulders. That's outstanding. Buda Baker. That's it. One. I'll be real disappointed if this team doesn't get, you know, on offense, purely from offense, 21-ish points. I'll be real disappointed. Because this, again, is a defense. You know what? The defense is the next three weeks. Ain't going to be fun. We'll get to that. They ain't going to be fun. This week, good opportunity to be fun. All right, so that's a little XE and OE breakdown. For those that certainly want to get into that, we can, <clears throat> Pauly. And then, coming up right after the break, Josh Harris, Mitchell Rails, the new owners, spoke at an event last night that the media was at. Got lots of juicy quotes, lots of juicy details. We'll start scratching the surface on some of them. And then Ed Smith, again, former NFL player, host of the Arizona Cardinals Believe in Podcast, will join us before the end of our number one. And you can join us at 301-230-0980-301-230-0980. On the Ace Law listener line, in a rec, Ace Law will help you get a check. Call 8888-ACE-LAW. That's 8888. It's very simple. 8888-ACE-LAW. Give my guy a call right now, Eric, uh, and tell him the rooster and the Team 980 sent you on the Team 980, always live and free on the Odyssey app. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm just here because you guys have the most punchable faith in the history of punching faces. I, I jumped the gun there. Sorry about that. Matt told me to shut up. Until he plays the soundbite, and I just absolutely murdered it. Uh, Mike Tyson from the Omaha Productions, uh, ESPN, Peyton Manning, Eli, what do they call that? The Manning Brothers uh, podcast? Uh, uh, Manningcast. Manningcast, there you go. I couldn't remember the actual name of it. Uh, that was a hilarious commercial. I mean, absolutely hilarious. That was, I mean, that that commercial, that production, way better than that show. I, I don't think that show is as good as everybody else thinks it is. I mean, they're kind of distracted. They're kind of, they look bored. They're monotone. Uh, the guests are great, but they're not really analyzing the game. Oh, I'll tell you, that show 
is fantastic if you are not a hardcore football person because it's entertaining. You still get to watch the game. You get some analysis, but it's not analysis thrown down your throat for the entire time. The issue is for people like us who are actually very locked in on the league, it feels like we're missing parts of the game when you watch that. So if you want to tune it out and like kind of have it on in the background, yeah, then it's a great – I love the Manning cast. It's just yeah. – there's a time and a place for it. Yeah, you know, it, it's interesting because, I mean, I, yeah, I, I guess you could say, like, if you're casually watching the game or doing something else, like you said, and it's kind of on as background noise, okay, I can see that because they're not doing, again, the hardcore game. My problem is, or my thing is, as much as I don't love what they do there, and again, I, I realize that is contrary to what everybody else loves. I am not everybody. Uh, I'm very different, uh, as as anybody knows. Um, what I would say is, if it is a good game, I, I, I don't want to be hearing from a comedian. Uh, if it is an interesting game or a big moment, I want the broadcasters or what I'm watching to be engaged in the game, to be right on top of it. And at whatever you think of Buck and, and, and Aikman, they're on top of it because that's what they're doing, you know? Yeah. Um, and I am no Troy Aikman fan. I like Joe Buck. I am no Troy Aikman fan. And it has nothing to do with the fact that he played for the Cowboys. Nothing. I just think he's very boring. I mean, a perfect example of all of that is in the Thursday night broadcast, they waited to bring Josh Harris on because they were talking about the game and they needed to wait for a time so they could bring him in and they could actually talk with him without having to continuously stop to talk about the game. Right. Uh, that wouldn't happen with the Manning cast. They would just go right into the interview, right. whatever's happening. Well, it's on a small screen to the side. The game so. is like secondary in nature on the Manning cast. It is an entertaining broadcast. Yeah. It is not the best football broadcast. I think that's a good way to put it. I think that's a good... All right, Ed Smith will join us, uh, former NFL tight end uh, and the host of the Believe in Cardinals podcast to give us a little inside skinny on the opponent, little eye on the enemy for week one coming up here in about mm, 15 minutes or so. So let me get to this. Last night, I'm sure many of you have seen the, the quotes and the tweets and the stories and whatnot. Um, the most notable news that came out, which once again, in, uh, because I can't, because I sometimes can't con control my, my competitive frustration with this fan base. Um, Mitchell Rails came out second in charge, the top partner in the Josh Harris regime and said about the Redskins name, quote, the ship has sailed. The ship has sailed. They were at the uh, Economic Club of Washington, D.C., whatever that is, uh, a big dinner hosted by some David Rubenstein guy. I don't know anything about him other than I guess he's a bigwig. Uh, he said Mitchell Rails did, quote, we're not going to relitigate the past. We're about the future. We're about building the future and not having a divisive culture that we're engaged in. We're going to look at everything come the end of the year. And think about a lot of different things and do a lot of testing and see what people think and we'll learn. The beauty is we have the time to look at all of this stuff intelligently and make fan-based decisions, end quote. 
Now, I don't know what everybody else thinks. I, I don't, it's not that I don't care, but I, I just don't know what everybody else thinks. But I think that's an incredibly smart, well-worded, intelligent, thoughtful, um, just common sense filled quote and answer. What I don't understand is how, and we did this last week, and again, and I fanned the flames about it this morning because I'm still pissed, is how many people were just literally on fire upset at me for confirming that Jason Wright was talking on behalf of Josh Harris and Mitchell Rails and Mark Ein when there was a lot of conjecture, a lot of speculation, a lot of people running around, stupidly, by the way, thinking that they were going to go back to the command uh, Redskins' name. I have met so much resistance on this. The amount of resistance, and again, I do instigate it, and I do fan the flames a little bit, the amount of resistance reminds me of, you know, when I would have the audacity to defend Jim Hazlitt when he was the defensive coordinator here, you know, like, well, two head coaches kept him here. Um, you know, his defense was what? Top of top half of the league with no offense in 2011. His defense, as much as the offense helped them win a division crown in 2012, you know, when they had no talent, 2010, when they had injuries, and a drop-off in talent, 2013, yeah, it didn't look good. Again, not always the coordinator's fault, but that's what it has reminded me of. The combative nature of the fan base, along with my own combative nature, is not a good mix. Uh, all I wanted last week, when Jason Wright spoke up on 106.7 The Fan and said, "Not changing, uh, we're not going back to Redskins, all I wanted, hey, man, are you speaking for yourself as the guy who is very instrumental in changing the name and who has a lot of stake in commanders? Are you speaking for yourself or are you speaking for Josh Harris, Mitchell Rails, Mark Ein, Magic Johnson, so on and so forth? Again, there was a lot of speculation that they were planning, thinking, going to go back to Redskins. And you guys cannot deny that. So when I said that on the show, on Twitter, what have you, the amount of brushback that I got was startling to me. Startling to me. Because I thought it was a very simple, very innocuous question. Hey, just want to make sure. You're speaking on behalf of the new owners too, right? Because that was not asked during the interview. And that was the first thing that came to my mind. It was not a witch hunt. It was not a gotcha society, anything. It was not some agenda. You people out there are absolutely freaking nuts if you think that I was trying to disprove, discredit, uh, demean, whatever, Jason Wright. You, you have no idea what you're talking about. You have no idea what you're talking about. And oh, by the way, as I continue to say, when I updated the story, the organization, high-level source, I'm not going to tell you who I talked to, high-level sources in the organization were thankful that I clarified. You know why? Because there were national reporters and lots of fans and stupid blogs that were running around going, oh, Jason Wright, speaking for himself, speaking for himself. Well, he's going to get fired. He's going to get fired. 
What the hell does it matter what he thinks? Well, he wasn't speaking for himself, but that wasn't clear when he said it. And now that they clarified that, because I asked, and I was the only one that didn't want to make an ass out of you and me and just assume, which is the right way to go about it. Because I asked, and because I got the information, which apparently nobody else was concerned about, and nobody else was paying attention to, which I think is the dumbest thing in the world. Because of that, we knew when we got to last night, that the team already had been quoted on this radio show, on this radio station, on my Twitter, as saying Jason Wright was speaking for the new ownership. It's a done deal. But now, when Mitchell Rails comes out last night and says what he just said, and the quote that I have, just to give proper credit, courtesy to Nikki Javal in the Washington Post. All the reporters had it. I mean, Paris had it. John Kime had it. Uh, ben Standig had it. But I- I'm just reading directly from the Post here. That ship has sailed. We're not going to relitigate the past. We're about the future. And he says, they'll learn. We'll do testing. We'll take our time. We'll make fan-based decisions. People, fan-based decisions does not, and it never meant that they were going back to the Redskins. That's over. It's done like dinner. But Jason, nor did JP and B Mitch, to be fair, they didn't clear that up, which happens during the interview. So I thought it was important not to try and discredit Jason Wright, not to try and say, hey, you're an idiot. You're going to get fired. What you say doesn't matter. No. It was a professional courtesy. It was a professional responsibility. It was a professionally done, you want to call it investigation? I don't call it an investigation. Um, Inquiry, a professionally done inquiry to say, hey, we're not sure if he's speaking on behalf of him only or him and the owners because everyone was running around with a stupid narrative based on what the owner said on the Today Show and on a pep rally stage. So we wanted to clear it up. Matt and I got into a big debate. You guys lit up the phone lines, what have you. Nobody accused Jason Wright of anything other than saying, hey, we don't know if he was exactly speaking on behalf of Josh Harris, Mark. And everyone just assumed that he was. Again, we've assumed a lot of things. You all assume when a coach tells you something that that's the way it's going to be. You all assume when coach tells you, oh, I love Jake from, and then they cut him. Oh, my God. Oh, oh, wow, wow. Oh, I love Casimir Allen. And then they cut him. Wow. I, I, I mean, they, they said they loved him. How could they cut him? Because you assumed that just because somebody said something and that they might know something and that they might be speaking on behalf of the organization, you just assumed. 
All right, we'll get into more of the uh, things that the new owners had to say last night uh, and what they mean and what they potentially mean uh, after we talk to Ed Smith, again, host on the Believe Podcast Network and Believe in Cardinals, former NFL tight end. He's going to join us and break down the Arizona Cardinals, the week one matchup. Little eye on the enemy as we approach week one of the NFL season. That's coming up next right here on the Team 980, always live and free on the Odyssey app. All right, indeed, what is trending? Commanders out on the practice field right now as we speak. We will get updates after practice, but certainly a good sign with Chase Young and Terry McLaurin uh, practicing on a limited basis. No Nats tonight. They snapped the six-game losing streak. Detroit and Kansas City open up the NFL season kickoff around 820. Still waiting for official word on Travis Kelsey. He was expected to test his leg uh, a little bit earlier today and then once again before pregame to see that game over on 106.7 the fan and the odyssey app and we have a little college football action tonight coming up louisville and murray state the thursday night acc uh, contest uh, in college football and that's what's trending All right, good to have you with us right here on the Team 980. Always live and free and worldwide on the Odyssey app. Joining us right now from the Believe Podcast Network, you can follow him at Ed Smith Speaks on X or Twitter. For those of you familiar still with that terminology, former NFL tight end and host of the Believe in Cardinals podcast, he is Ed Smith. And he's with us on the BetQL guest hotline. Ed, it's Chris Russell here back in D.C. How are you, my friend? Thank you for joining us. I'm doing. Thank you for having me, Chris, and uh, happy football Thursday to you, man. Absolutely. No doubt about it. It gets going for real uh, tonight. So um, you played, obviously, in the league and were successful. What was a new season like for you? I mean, everybody believes in themselves, right? Everyone wants to believe, hey, my team can do it. But was that the case for you every year, or did you know when you knew eh, this is going to be a really rough grind? No, you know, if you're honest with yourself, you know, every team, they kind of have an idea of what their ceiling and their floor is. You know, everybody starts out optimistic. Uh, everybody right now is right now tied for the division lead at 0-0, zero and, zero. and who's to say where you're going to go from there? You know, the year I, you know, I was fortunate enough to play on the uh, 98 version of the Atlanta Falcons. We went to the Super Bowl, and we did not have Super Bowl dreams to start that season. We had some goals that we set for ourselves, and, you know, as a team and as individuals. And if we met those, then who knows what could happen. But, you know, it's one of those things, you know, hope springs eternal this time of year. And, uh, you know, even the, the Cardinals are probably trying to talk themselves into thinking we got to, you know, we're going to shock the world this year. But reality usually sinks in around week four or five, you know? Right. Uh, you know, I didn't even realize this. Um, you know, I remember I remember your career, you know, but maybe I, I just so many players that I've covered. So, like, you played here uh, with Washington, right, for a year or two years, was it? Uh, I, I was – that was my first stint in the NFL right, back in 96. Right. So I right. made the switch from football – and I played under North Turner that year. It was a pretty talented team, too. Mm -hmm. 
you know, started off eight and four, and then we fizzled to eight and eight, I think it was, and didn't even get into the playoffs. But yeah, I was there in Washington and really enjoyed my time there. And it was my induction into the league after nine years of minor league baseball. Yeah, no doubt. That's a, a, and a hell of a, a career. I mean, obviously a tremendous athlete. We're talking to Ed Smith, former NFL tight end, former Redskin, uh, former Falcon, Cardinal, uh, I mean, Eagle, uh, all, all of that, uh, with us here and the host of the Believe in Cardinals, uh, podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. Um, so let's, you know, let's get to this. Uh, you know, the reason why I asked you the first question is, Everybody's counting out the Cardinals, right? Uh, I, you know, I, I mean, that's not something that you haven't heard and I'm sure discussed. Um, if you're Jonathan Gagnon, what is your message before you even step on the field on Sunday to your team? How do you get them to believe that they are not as bad as everyone thinks they are? <laughs> that's a great question, Chris. I, I imagine, you know, all the normal, you know, uh, coach talk about, you know, nobody believes in us outside this room. You know, if we all do our job, we can go out there and we can prove everybody wrong. You know, I'm sure he's going to throw every, um, you know, thing at them to try to get them to believe. The problem is, it, you know, as professional athletes, you know, we, you know, and I consider myself a former one, but still, when you're looking around the room and you're looking at other rosters and you're doing the comparisons and you in the back of your heart, in your heart of heart, you know how good you can be or how bad you can be. And you, it's hard to tune out that, you know, it's hard to tune it out when the entire country, the whole football world is talking about how bad you're going to be. And, you know, that's just going to be one of those things until you get to that first game, you know, you can either believe one way or the other, it's going to be, let's go out and see what we are. And then we'll, in a couple of weeks, we'll be able, because we've been talking, as you mentioned, we've been talking about it all offseason, how bad this team could possibly be. Let's take it on a, on a uh, kind of a parallel scope. Everybody was talking about how bad the Colorado Buffaloes are going to be all offseason, all, you know, leading up to the first game against TCU. They went out there and shocked the world. Now we'll yep. see what happens, you know, from here on out. But that's all the Cardinals have been hearing. Now it's up to, it's time to go out and play. We're going to find out how good or bad we are, and it's a week-to-week thing. You know, it's it's going to be interesting to find out how prepared this team is. And here's the thing, Chris. I've told my radio partner, it's not going to be about the wins and losses for this team. It's going to be how they look in their progression of if they are losing, are they losing but they're scrapping? Right. Right. Are they losing, but they're giving up? Are they how they, losing, how they compete. How they compete. Exactly. Right. That's going to be the, 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 the test for me. So we'll, you know, like I said, it's going to be a hard sell inside and out the locker room, but we will see come Sunday how good or bad they look. Former NFL tight end and Arizona Cardinals analyst on the Believe uh, Podcast Network uh, is Ed Smith. He's with us here. Again, make sure you give him a follow on Twitter, X, at Ed Smith Speaks, at Ed Smith Speaks. All right, so... Uh, I, I, I'm, you, you took me in a couple of different directions here, so I'm trying to just hone in on, I guess for me, uh, how I see this matchup, and I've been saying this all week, 
And I, I look at the Cardinals on offense, despite the fact that they have Dobbs, who just got there yesterday, but because he's got experience in Drew Petzing's system from last year in Cleveland, I, I don't think that's that hard of a transition, or maybe as hard as it normally would be. I think this offense with Hollywood Brown, with James Conner, with... um Rondell Moore with a couple of, you know, the, the offensive linemen that they got, uh, you know, Paris Johnson in the top 10 in the draft, uh, from Ohio State. I think this offense can crease this Washington defense a little bit. Is that fair? It's fair, uh, but I would do think that the biggest issue for this team is the margin for error is going to be so small, Chris. We're not going to be able to overcome penalties. We're not going to be able to overcome, uh, uh turnovers. Um, you know, giving the ball up deep in our own possession. The, the mistakes that other teams can overcome because they have talent on the roster, this team is going to have to play to perfection on both sides of the ball, in my opinion, to stay in games. And that's not a great way to go into a season. You know, your margin of error should be, you know, greater than, uh, you know, the sum of all things if you want to, you know, so it's it, going to be such a tough you know, you're, you're starting with a quarterback who has two starts in the league. Now he's been here for less than two weeks in this offense, even though he's been here, you know, with Texan under prior, you know, uh, circumstances. But you just stack up all the, the, the chips that are against us. And, man, we got to be perfect just to even stay in the game, let alone win it or, you know, compete. And that's where the issue for me is going to be. They're starting out at such a minus that – you know, it's just going to be such an uphill battle, and that's on a weekly basis depending on how quickly they gel, how fast the offensive line comes together and they can protect Dobbs, how quick the running game can be there to take some of the pressure off him, et cetera, et cetera. And then, uh, you know, on the defensive side of the ball, we don't look threatening in any way. I yeah. mean, we don't have a rusher. Yep. You know, we, we're, we're just we, – we are just bad at all, at all spots. It's, it's going to be a – it's going to take a total team effort for this team to stay in games, let alone win games this year. Well, that's what I wanted to hone in as well on you because I've been saying this all week. They lost pro- arguably their best corner in, in Byron Murphy to free agency in Minnesota. They lost arguably their two best defensive linemen in J.J. Watt to retirement when he was healthy uh, and Zach Allen to Denver. They traded away Isaiah Sim- or they let go of Isaiah Simmons, right? I, I mean – like, outside of Buda Baker, who do they have that can hurt you? Absolutely nobody. And you said they lost them, Chris. What actually happened, they let them go, even uh, you know, with Murphy yeah. and some others. Right. They didn't even make an attempt to bring them back, which, you know, that was the beginning of bad signs for us. You know, during the free agency, they went out and got mid-level guys and gave them these one- and two-year contracts, didn't go out and spend any big money. And, you know, they knew what they were doing. At least they're giving us the impression that they know what they're doing by this. You know, I was joking earlier this week. They're not doing a remodel of the house. They've literally demolished the entire (laughs) house, and they're starting from scratch. This isn't a kitchen makeover or, you know, upgrading the bathroom. This is we took a stick of dynamite, blew it up. There's no house or foundation. We're starting from scratch. And that's kind of what they've done. And when you go down our roster, and you mentioned Buda Baker, after his name, maybe Zayvon Collins, it's like, where do we go from there? There's not a whole lot of familiar names on this roster. No doubt. Um, all right, before we run out of time, um, and Ed Smith is with us, 
uh, host of the Believe in Cardinals podcast uh, right here on the BetQL uh, guest hotline on the Team 980 in D.C. I wanted to ask you about Kyler Murray because he's such a polarizing figure. We know he's not playing uh, anytime soon, certainly not this Sunday, but they named him captain. Gagnon and Monty Ossenfort seemingly are embracing him the way the previous regime did not. I assume all of that is true, but with that being said, what do you ultimately think is the future this year and next year for Kyler Murray? The the future for me will become a little clearer when we get around game six, seven, eight, and we'll start hearing more reports about him doing more on the field, is getting closer to getting back out there. And if they don't get him back out there, that leads me to believe they're they're protecting him from himself and they might be going in a different direction come next spring. You know, if they get to the middle part of the season and even if we're one and seven, you know, two and nine, whatever it is, and they decide, hey, he's a franchise quarterback, we want to get him out there, then that will lead me to believe that they have plans for the future for Kyler Murphy. But right now, you know, what are they supposed to say other than, hey, he's doing everything he's supposed to do, and he's our guy, and, you know, we're going to hear all that until it actually comes time to either put up or shut up. In my opinion, I'm thinking the closer we get to that 1-8 and eight mark, you know, like I said, 2-9, and nine, whatever it is, they might start talking. And the other thing is we have to not just worry about them being ready to get him back in line. we got to be ready for Murray to get over the – because I've had that knee injury before. It wasn't an ACL, but that, you know, getting over that hump of I'm ready, especially mm-hmm. as a quarterback that uses his legs, we're not necessarily sure of his confidence. So as this is going to be like a soap opera, you know, stay tuned. We're going to have the cliffhangers every week until we get to – him either getting in the lineup or they get to a point where they say those words. And we've decided to shut Murray down for the season because it doesn't look, there's no advantage to bringing him back or whatever it is. Once we hear that, then we can start speculating. Right now, it, it all is a mystery. And, of course, they're going to say the things that make us think that they're all in on Murray right now. Absolutely. Ed, appreciate you very much. Thanks for making time for us. Great stuff, great information, uh, and uh, great to catch up with you. I really appreciate it. Anytime. Enjoy the football season, man. Continue success. Absolutely. Thank you, sir. That is former Redskins tight end, former NFL tight end, played with a number of different organizations, including the Lions, Eagles, Falcons, uh, went to the Super Bowl, as we mentioned, uh, Ed Smith and co-host of the – Believe in Cardinals podcast on the Believe Network. Thanks to him for making time for us. Hour number two, we get into you on the phones at 301-230-0980, 301-230-0980, as we talk about what the new owners had to say yesterday, last night, uh, and we'll go through it all. Uh, we'll uh, kind of dice and slice it uh, as we go along. Of course, if you want to talk about the X's and O's of the game, what do the commanders need to do in order to get a convincing win? And would anything short of a convincing win make you worried on Sunday? In other words, is a tight win okay? Is a win a win? And any win, any type of win, a good win. 301-230-0980, 301-230-0980 on the Team 980, always live and free on the Odyssey app.